And here are your hosts, RJ Young and Brandon Drum. What's up, you folks? I'm RJ Young. That's Brandon Drum. This is Young and Drum, podcast created by OU Insider. Dot com. Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Just uh, got back from Cali, and then we had post-practice yesterday, and now we're podcasting, so uh, and it never ends. It's all, it's a, it, by week is no such thing in this uh, when it comes to the uh, journalism side of it. Nah, man, that's, that's 100%. Uh, so, like, you went to the game. I stayed at home. Uh, what was the trip like for you? It was fun. It was interesting. Um, we had a flat tire the last night we were there. Um, there were gunshots that rang out right after we left the Rose Bowl. Oh, word? I guess like, yeah, 20 or 30 rounds apparently. Um, 20 or 30 I guess rounds? Some, yeah, somebody got stabbed too or something in the parking lot. I don't know. But it was right after we left. I had to look it all up. I don't know the whole story. And then, um, uh, I mean, it – that was it. So, I mean, we, we had a good time. Uh, I know Joey and uh, Colin went to an Angels game. I, I just stuck around the hotel room because I just didn't feel – I'm not a big Angels person, did, nor do I care to watch them play the Devil Raids, and they did. So, that's on them. I don't care. You don't want to go see Mike Trout, man? He wasn't playing. Oh, never mind. Okay. Pujols? I've seen Pujols play before. It's, it's cool. But uh, he's, not, he's not like when I saw him play. <laughs> no, and, and I can understand why you would just want to stay put. What was traffic like for you? Because I heard horror stories. It's awful. Um, you sit in traffic the second you get there. Uh, you, it's really weird how they have it set up. So, like, you land. And you have to hop on a van and drive on the tarmac to get to where you're uh, – they don't have a, a transit system like we do, or like most places with like a trolley or a train. So you hop on these buses that are just nasty at the LAX. They're fixing that. They're, they're building a train system for the Olympics in 2024, but it's – it's it, it, that, I, I can't stand that airport. It's one of my least favorite of all time. Uh... So what uh, did you guys get in on like Saturday, like day of or day before? No, we got in on Thursday evening. Oh, did you catch any high school football? No, we, I wanted to. They wanted to go to uh, the Angels game, so I just went to the hotel. Okay, all right. So yeah, I had a chance to go watch uh, St. John Bosco. I really wanted to go watch that game because they were playing Our Lady of uh, Saints or whatever from uh, Our Lady of P. I, I can't remember what it's called uh, out of uh, Maryland. Oh yeah. And then, uh, man, there's a 2020 kid out there, linebacker, outside linebacker. Yep, yep. Oh, he has a couple offers, a lineman from 2022 class. Uh, yep, I, I wanted to go see it. I got overruled. They they decided they wanted to do which I don't blame them. I mean, they, they how often do you get to go watch that stuff? So No, 100%. Yeah, it is what it is. So you get to the, you get to the Rose Bowl, and you set up shop. What do you think? Uh, pro OU crowd. Uh, even the UCLA fans were there. They're dressed in UCLA gear just so they could be, you know, cheer for the home team. But they were there to watch Oklahoma. Most of them. I mean, they didn't. They there wasn't much um, fanfare for the Bruins there. A lot of people were just there to because they wanted to see Jalen Hurts, Ceedee Lamb, Kenneth Murray, and all those guys play. And that that's just what it is. No, I mean that you don't really have a whole lot to to look for. I mean, you can look out there and see Chip Kelly on a sideline with a play card, and that's about it, man. Like, I really want a DTR to be good coming out of high school, because you you know the stories yeah. out of Bishop Gorman, and you know you you come in after Tate Martell, and now both of those kids look like duds, and I'm like, Ugh. I just I just really wanted to be good, you know. I really wanted to uh, to see Josh Kelly play well. I think uh, Asai is going to be really good. But, you know, we said that about tight end last year that played UCLA. Just it's really yeah. difficult to find things to to be happy about with that team. Even when you're like, hey, Darnell Holmes is coming back for this game. Didn't didn't matter. Did, didn't matter one bit. You know, because they're just, they're just bad. They're just really bad. Yeah, they're awful. 
Um, defensively, they were totally outmatched. I'm watching the replays of uh, just the offensive line, and they were burying the UCLA's defensive line. And the, the fact of the matter is, is UCLA's defensive line is loaded with talent. Now, obviously, they lost uh, their star player last year. who transferred out. Um, Jacob, I can't remember. Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips, yeah. Jalen Phillips. So He's at um, Miami now. Yeah, that hurts, but at the same time, which I thought was really weird that he went to Miami. A lot there's a, there was a lot of rumors around after he with, retired. Okay. That was the other thing. Like he retired from football. Yeah, and like so, there's a lot of rumors that Oklahoma was a spot that he was really interested in because Oklahoma was one of his top schools coming out. And Manning um, is Manning's Manning's here now, right? And Manny was yeah. the outside linebackers coach over there and helped recruit the kid who was number yeah. one in the country in 2017. So yeah, it's just it's weird. I think he just decided he didn't want to. I, I I assume he just thought he just didn't want to be coached by Manny. I don't know. I mean, obviously Manny wasn't the guy, so I mean that also has a lot to do with it. No, hundred percent. And I so as a position, I I thought. Perhaps, you know, like this would have had a little bit more trash to it, you know, because Manny was on that staff last year. He's on this staff this year. You know, you know something about UCLA that you might not have known. And we know that the coaches want to downplay it just like they want to downplay all the stuff that they don't want to talk about. But I mean, you, right. I mean, it felt like we were just grasping for storylines with this game. And that's that's really a disservice when this was a game that a lot of people attend it because they're like, hey, this is this is our away trip. This this is the one. And we do, you know, the big OU away game or whatever that game might be. Like next year it's going to be Tennessee here um, mm-hmm. and then Army at West Point. And I, I'm excited about that. Like I think I'm going to go to that game. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I can't wait for that game. I got a buddy that lives in New York City and we're already set up. So I'm ready. But with this game, we're just like, man, it's not just that, that they're bad. It's that – you had that historic defeat by San Diego State in the Rose Bowl. And then you had UCLA's athletic department literally giving tickets away. Saying to mm-hmm. anybody that, if you were one of the 36,951 people who bought a ticket, here's four extra ones to give away. Please don't let us be embarrassed on national television. I'm like, yeesh. Yeah, um, and they were embarrassed. Uh, on there national was television, red. yeah, yeah, there was more red than there was. Uh, uh, I guess as uh, was it uh, what did Brian Bosworth call it? Uh, he called them wimpy blue or whatever they called. I can't remember what he called the powder blue at UCLA. I, I, he had something funny. I'm I'm sure it was comical. Uh, as was watching Jalen Hurts, basically. Not just drive the length of the field by himself. He took the first play from scrimmage, 53 yards, and he was gliding along, and he stepped out of bounds because he's been talked to about taking those hits and whatnot. But, like, there's a couple stats that I found particularly interesting from the play of this game. One is first guy in 15 years to take an opening drive 99 yards to the house. And the second one is he finished to finish that game throwing – or not throwing, but – recording more TDs this season than he has thrown in completions this season because he's just so good with the football. And even there were a couple drops that, or I say a couple, there was at least one drop in the end zone where it's like, hey, Braden, that one hit you in the hands, dog. You got to pull that one in. Where, you know, that counts as an incompletion for Jalen, but I think Pro Football Focus put out a stat that he's the most accurate passer so far this season, which who had that one coming? Be there. Uh oh. You hear me? Now I got I'm you. Muted now. Yeah, I got you. I now. muted myself. That was my fault. I okay. muted myself. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, I was. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't want the loud background stuff going on while you were talking. Um. So yeah, basically, um, he was considered non-accurate coming out of Bama, and all of a sudden now he's. Mr. Accurate, it's funny how that works when you come to Oklahoma. No, I'd, I'd been particularly critical of his ability to throw the ball down the field to the left side, right? And 
He made a throw that doesn't go into the stat book. Like, the Tyrese Robinson, I think, had his second holding penalty. And it was the opposite hash. He stood in the pocket. He delivered a strike across the field on an out or a comeback, I remember, to CD. And it was brilliant. Yeah. 18 yards. And probably yep. 25 yards through the air. And it was on a rope. And I was like, that's the throw I've been waiting to make, see that kid make all year. Well, I mean, he's he's to me, he's shown that he's more than capable of making every throw. Um, I think that when you start to overanalyze him is when you start to really find nitpicky problems with him. But th- you, you can do that with any quarterback, and that's that's just it. Like he's being historically good right now, and yes, the competition hasn't been that great, but. I mean, you can only play against who you you got on the schedule. And when they scheduled the UCLA game, UCLA was really good, and that's the problem. And you could say the same thing about Houston. Um, yeah, they were really good when they were scheduled. And that that South Dakota game was originally the game LSU LSU Texas was supposed to be LSU Oklahoma, and we can get into that. But think about the 2019 schedule when you have Houston. When you first saw it, when you first saw a 2019 schedule. You saw Houston, LSU, and then you traveled to UCLA. Whoa! No, you were. I mean, they were trying to put together the kind of schedule that A and M just kind of lucked into. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and that that right there would have been. They, I mean, you got to just think about that. Think about just how much everybody would be talking about had the LSU game panned out. Just how good Oklahoma's schedule is. Had LSU not backed out, I mean, you're talking about an epic out of conference schedule. It doesn't matter how bad UCLA is or Houston is. It's you put those names up there next to LSU, and everybody's gonna go, "Oh my God, Oklahoma scheduled really tough." But now with the optics because of South Dakota, it looks awful. Oh, and I want to get into particularly good statistic I think and a way to look at the first three weeks of football that is going to make this OU UCLA South Dakota and Houston scheduling look a little bit more sane after this this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, B, B, check it. I got this stat. And I found this stat to be just fundamentally fascinating because it also speaks to just how bad college football scheduling was this year not necessarily through anybody's fault but still you schedule the games and and your opponents suck so my buddies over at college football nerds put together this stat and I actually did the segment on the radio because I thought it was just so good because it takes some time but only 35 teams have played in three FBS opponents through week three so that means there were only 35 that actually scheduled one 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 of the 130 FBS teams, and then 88 in all three games. In all three games, right? Right, in all three games. Okay. And then 88 teams have played an FCS team, of which Oklahoma's won. So 88 of 130 decided to go down to go get a W. 24 teams have taken a week off in the first three weeks. So, you know, like, <laughs> like TCU, right? TCU is in yeah. the top 25 on the strength of. Uh, a win against basically Purdue and the same Purdue team that got beat by Nevada and the same Nevada team that got housed by Oregon 77 to six. And then 17 teams have only played one FBS opponent. And then think about this. One of those 35 teams that has played three straight FBS opponents, Clemson, A&M, Syracuse, and Georgia Tech. And we all know that Georgia Tech is basically an FCS team this year because they got beat by Citadel, right? But you're also looking around, and I think it says something that we're talking about the Big 12 as 
the best conference in college football based on how it went through the last week of what we're calling non-conference scheduling in that, I mean, we're going to have more non-conference games. Um, let me put that out there. But Kansas going to beat BC at BC is a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, West Virginia, yeah, which was picked to finish at the bottom of the, of the league with Kansas and Kansas State, Getting a W at home against NC State is a big deal. And then, of course, Kansas State, who I've been extremely high on from jump, went down to Starkville and got a W. So yep. knowing all these stats that I just thrown at you and knowing what you saw this weekend, what do we expect the Big 12 Conference's reputation to be in like a month? Because you got Oklahoma State-Texas this weekend, which, by the way, is a really good game. I'm excited about that because I, I was at TU and Oklahoma State, and Chuba Hubbard is, is the goods. Um, I, you would, uh, you would, you would think that a month from now, the pro the problem, the big 12 is going to run into it, but the, every conference is going to run into them beating up on each other. But with Oklahoma, with not with Oklahoma, well, obviously Oklahoma has been undefeated out of conference, but with the rest of the big 12 doing what they did out of conference, that's going to start to pay off dividends once you see Mississippi State upset somebody in the SEC and stuff like that. That Kansas State win is going to pay off because it's going to be, okay, well, say a Texas or Oklahoma beats a K-State and they beat them handily. And we all know that games aren't transitive, right? Like they, they, one game doesn't translate to the other game. And, but in our minds, we do that all the time. We all do it. We're like, well, they beat this and they beat that or blah, 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 blah. And that's, that's going to look good for the Big 12 because the Big 12 has handled their business out of conference and the games that they needed to handle their business. And it's going to pay off. It's going to make the Big 12 look a lot better. There's, there, there's a lot of talk that the Big 12 might be the second best team, best conference. I mean, top to bottom, the Big 12 may be the best. But uh, even top heavy, the Big 12 may be second best right now. Uh, better than the Big Ten, and that's saying something after week three because not a lot of people thought that going into the season. No, I think you made a really salient point when you're talking about what this win could do when it comes time for you know each of these teams to beat up on each other. Like I've been critical of the round-robin schedule because it kind of prevents you from having four and five teams that are ranked in the top 25 because we're yeah, talking about man. Alabama playing South Carolina for the first time in 10 years. You know, it's like, what? And we get, you know, I, we can get into the SEC versus Big 12 and how they schedule. But I also think that having a good Kansas State is always helpful to you as a Big 12 conference because that's a team that's consistently picked to, to be in the middle, the bottom, never at the top, right? We're not really ever thinking about Kansas State as being a juggernaut program. We're thinking about Oklahoma, Texas, and then we'll see. And we'll see usually turns out to be TCU or Baylor here of late. We expect Iowa State to be in the mix this year in a big way, but I do think that having Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Baylor, Iowa State all be eight, seven to eight win teams or, or have that quality is tremendously right. helpful because, you know, the other part about it is Kansas State has Oklahoma State, Oklahoma and Texas basically left. Like, I think they could beat Oklahoma State on a, on a given day. That game's going to be a lot of fun. I think they could beat Baylor and Iowa State, Kansas, West Virginia, Texas Tech, especially since Texas Tech is going to be without Alan Bowman for some time. And they're either going to have to start Jet Duffy or a dude at Rice who played for three years and barely threw 4,000 yards and has never thrown for 50% completion percentage in his entire career. But you know what? He's really tall and he's really big. I'm like, all right, whatever. So, like, Matt Wells is – season kind of went down the tubes with the loss to Arizona Pac-12 after dark. But I do – we're talking about, what, five teams that legitimately could be good this year? Yeah. That's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. That is. When, you have, when half your conference is uh, potentially a top 25 team, you, you're you doing it right. I mean, 2015 was a prime example of the Big 12 doing that exact, that, that, that exact thing. And look what it did for Oklahoma in the playoffs because – Oklahoma went into the the last week of the season ranked like sixth or seventh, if I remember correct, and they beat um, Oklahoma State, who was ranked ninth, for the Big 12 title, and they jumped two teams. 
to get in two or three teams. I can't remember how what it was like, but I know they had to jump somebody to get in. And everybody kind of already knew that they were going to do so um, going into that. And they may have been fourth. I can't remember, but I'm pretty positive they were trying to get into the playoffs at that point. And they made a jump. I, I, actually, I think they went from fifth to third, if I remember correct, or something to that extent. But they got into the playoffs because of the how deep the Big 12 was. And, yes, Oklahoma State played with J.W. Walsh instead of um, – what's his – had a broken foot. Um, Rudolph? I can't remember. Rudolph, yeah. Mason Rudolph. Uh, was it Rudolph? Was it, was it Mason Rudolph? It was, that was either Rudolph or Shelf or Lunt, but it might have been – I yeah. I got nothing. Yeah, uh, yeah. J.W. Walsh was their quarterback, and that wasn't good. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma killed them fifty something to seventeen, and proved that they were the best team in the Big Twelve. They had the number one defense in the Big Twelve that season. But my point is, is that they had five or six teams that were considered really good that year, and that paid off for Oklahoma in the season because you had Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas. Uh, Oklahoma, and I think K-State was considered pretty good that year, or West Virginia. West Virginia was one of the two. So those wins paid off for Oklahoma, and obviously the win at uh, Tennessee ended up being a huge win at the end of the year. And look, that, that that is essentially what we're talking about. The Big 12 has to be deep. It has to be deep for Oklahoma to be considered one of the top teams in the country, and or Texas has got to be good. Those are Those are your options. I think that this this game between Oklahoma State and Texas this weekend is going to say a lot about that one way or the other because I'm looking at Oklahoma's schedule, and right now, if you're just looking at strength of schedule and you're looking at rankings, and we are, it's on par with Clemson's schedule, right? Because teams that you thought were going to be good mm-hmm. are not good. Or it could be one of these things where – Oklahoma plays these teams all when they are unranked, which is on the table if Oklahoma State beats Texas because that's two losses, and your two losses would be to teams that we think are really good. But in particular, there's there's just this – there's this thought in my head, man, that a good Texas team unranked does not help Oklahoma when they play. A good Oklahoma State team unranked, which they are right now, but I think they should be in the top 25. Doesn't help Oklahoma State. Or doesn't help Oklahoma. Same thing with Iowa State. Same thing with Kansas State. Like, I'm looking at their schedule and the way that it stacks up, and I'm going, it. it's not inconceivable for them to play each one of these teams when they're unranked because they will have played, you know, tough opponents before they get to Oklahoma. So, like, yep. if you're Oklahoma and you have a loss – and right now, you know, they're undefeated. I get it. But they have not made it through the month of October undefeated since 2004. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, we're going to look at your at your strength of schedule as a, as a neutral observer or somebody doesn't watch a lot of Big 12 football and go, eh, we'd rather have Ohio State in there because they did play three FBS opponents in non-conference. Like, they got – I mean, look at it. Like, they, they got FAU. They got Cincy, they got Indiana, and now they're going to get, I mean, their third non-conference is going to be Miami of Ohio, which, you know, is decent enough when you're talking about what's the piss-poor game on your schedule that's out of your control, or that, excuse me, that's in your control. What's the piss-poor game on Oklahoma's schedule? It's a bad South Dakota team. It's a winless FCS team. Like, this is not the year that you need the Big 12 to be soft. It's just not. Yeah, and but I mean, do we expect it to be soft? I really don't. I understand they're going to beat up on each other, but I think the weight of the outer conference is going to is going to weigh with their rankings. So they're not going to get docked as much as losing as they normally would in conference, in my opinion. Yeah. So now that we got that out the way, because I feel like we can go circular here. What were your yeah. takeaways from UCLA? But before you tell me, uh, we want to get this in here. KB, what were your takeaways from UCLA? Uh, I would say, look, um, they handled their business. They did what they were supposed to do. And Jalen Hurts was really good. We all thought he was going to be really good. Uh, the defense continues to show progress. Uh, I think there's some problems at the safety spots. 
once they get all that thing, all that shirt up, I think the defense could be really good at some point in time during the season. But that safety position, it, it could, it could be a make or break for Oklahoma, especially in the Big Twelve, as pass heavy as it is, because that, 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 that could. I mean, we saw it last year. The safety spots was a question, and it ended up killing Oklahoma, especially when it came to uh, West Virginia and the deep ball. Um, even with Kansas, I mean, it, it was just not a good year for the safeties. Um, so uh, they need to get that shirt up. I'm sure Alex Grinch is probably going to be working tirelessly during the bye week to figure out something for those two spots. Um, and if they can get it figured out, this defense has a chance to be pretty good. The, I think the front seven is really deep and really good. Um, I think the cornerbacks are pretty good. I just think the safety spot is well, there's a there's a question mark there, and that could be a question mark that you you really don't want to have those those type of question marks leading into the conference and even going into the title game or the playoffs because you're going to face a bunch of pass heavy teams from here on out. I I was actually disappointed to know that that's that's the weakness of the defense, not. It is super disappointing. Well, I mean, it's it's disappointing to me just because he's a safeties coach and he is the safeties coach. They're his kids. Yep. You know, yep. that's his position group. And if there was a knock on Stoops that a lot of people agreed on, it was, yo, man, we need to let you just call the defense. You don't need a position anymore. You know, it, it's it's too much. And then it was the whole moving up to the box thing and so forth, so on. And I'm not – at all saying that Alex Grinch is in any way like Mike Stoops. I'm saying that it's disappointing to see the same story get played out. And I understand that you're you're young back there, right? DeLaren Turner Yell didn't play a whole bunch of ball last year, but when he did he got torched. Patrick Fields. Yeah, and, and Pat Fields looked good in the Orange Bowl, but you know, against UCLA and then he didn't look good. South Dakota he had some stupid penalties. And DeLaren Turner Yell is a linebacker playing safety. So the idea that you don't have a guy back there that you trust yet it's like, man, I just. Well, I mean, he's hinted on it all all offseason. He said he does not like where his safeties are at. He said it over and over and over and over. And it, well, now we're seeing it play out during the season. Well, and that also, I'm looking at the guys behind him. I'm like, okay, I get that you want Chance Sylvie there to cover up for Buki, but Cradell's natural spot is safety. You move Woody Washington from his natural spot of corner to safety. You know, like Jamal Morris is back there, like that. You don't. None of these guys have reached the the point where you feel comfortable throwing them back there. You know, to 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 play games when you're you know within a, a two scores or or one score. It speaks volumes about the depth at the position. Now it'll probably change because you know with this 2020 class, he gets guys he wants. But uh, I'm with you. You're gonna get exposed at that position. It's it's awful. You know, because the thing that I see the most and one of the things that I'm going to pay attention to when I go down to, to Georgia this week is how does Notre Dame play with its safeties? How does Georgia play with its safeties? And they can go too deep at Georgia. I know that for a fact, right? Notre Dame, we're going to find out because Kyle Hamilton is really, really good. And I, I can't wait to watch what he looks like. But at the same time, I'm going, Notre Dame is in the same spot that Oklahoma is. Your defense ain't great. It's not bad, but it ain't great. Like, I'm the first person to point out, because I charted the data, Oklahoma is allowing just 2 of 20 on third and long, which is third and seven or more. That's that's huge. That's massive. You're also giving up just 9 of 37 third downs, period. So if you get people in third down situations, you're going to win a bunch of them. But what we're finding out about good college football teams is they don't see a lot of third downs. They do a lot of work on first and second down. And by the way, OU's one of them. Like, I, th- I think I think I'm right in saying this. OU's offense has seen fewer third downs than the defense because they just they just yeah. pick up chunks. You know, they yeah. they can go whole drives without ever seeing a third down, and that's the kind of offense that you're going to have to stop, even in the Big Twelve. Like Oklahoma State can do that. Uh, Texas can do that. We'll wait and see. If Baylor can do that, but I mean, there's at least three, four, three or four teams in this conference, other than Oklahoma, that I think can really mess you up on the back end. 
Oh, they can do more than mess you up. They can score points and chunks, and you're going to be left having to do exactly what you had to do last year, and that is play touchdown for touchdown and hope that your defense hopefully makes a play for you at some point in time during the game because if they don't, you're liable to lose it. So um, it's that's not the position you want to be in. Again, I don't think this team will be in that position just because I think the front seven is – that good and, and will it, it will cause more problems than they ever did last year, especially on passing downs because I think Grinch is gonna he's gonna pressure. I mean he's gonna be more aggressive. So you're gonna see more plays. You're gonna see more turnovers. But there's with the with that aggressiveness comes the liability of giving up a big play. And sorry, OU fans, you're gonna see that too. So uh, you got to be prepared for all that come conference play. Is the offensive line any good? I, I think they're. I think they're young. I think they're. They have a chance to be really good. Um, I think they're very talented. I think that. Uh, I mean, obviously, Tyrese Robinson had a tough game last game with the penalties, but other than that, they they seem to. Look, Beanbo seemed more happy, and so did Coach Riley with the offensive line performance this past week than they did against South Dakota. So. We all know UCLA is better than South Dakota, and we think. Well, they're they more are. talented for sure, but I don't know if they're yeah, better. Yeah, so well, that 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 I guess that's well, what I'm I saying. say that they're more talented, but like I think I'm the only person beating this drum, and I think people just kind of want to roll their eyes. But do you remember the defensive end that was beating the hell out of Eric Swenson in South Dakota game? Yeah, that guy was an All American last year. All right, Darren Greenfield. So. When you say that you know they're they're better, I'm going. I watched Jeremiah Hall take apart their bookend on on this GT counterplay that they love to run so much that's been written about so much. He just mm-hmm. he just sealed it. He mashed that kid. You, that wasn't happening against South Dakota, particularly at that end spot. So I'm not comfortable saying that it's a better football team just yet because they were able to do more. Like, they were actually able to move the ball. Like, you can say quick strike, you can say air raid, you can say whatever, but they moved the ball, you know? Like, they, they did, and they did get into the backfield, you know? They did make Eric Swinton look bad, and quite honestly, that game probably lost R.J. Proctor his starting position. So, yeah, you know, like, I when I said any good, I can see how that sounds a little harsh, because... 300-yard rushing games in, in the first three games. So they're stupid talented. But when I say are they any good, are they technically sound? I mean, the only guy that we haven't actually picked on outside of Creed Humphrey because, you know, Creed is Creed, is Adrian Ely. You know, like, Ely's been a rocket right tackle. Nobody said diddly squat about him. And that's what I mean. It's like, obviously, he really wants Marquise Hayes out there. He likes Tyrese Robinson out there. And he's prepared to just make Eric Swenson starting left tackle, and that's going to be his group with Proctor, I guess, being able to work in at guard or tackle as needed. But that's the group. Like, that was the one thing that just became clear out of all of this is Beanbow has picked his guys, and they're going to be his guys for the year, and he needs them to play a bunch of snaps together to get good. And that's what I meant by are they are they any good? And if you're saying, Yeah, I mean, they will be. I think, I think but we always – we ask the same freaking question every year, the first three games, and then come Texas or a little after Texas, they turn into the best unit in college football. So I, I, I find myself just going back to looking back to the past. I mean, all the way back to 2015, I'm like, okay, well, we had these same questions then. We had the same questions in 2016. We had the same questions in 2017, 2018. To start of the year, we knew they were going to be good, but they weren't always playing as good as they could. And at some point in time, they found it and they clicked and they became the best off of the line in football each and every year. So you kind of figured that's going to happen just because historically it has happened. Uh, and that's kind of where my thought is at. Like, I think he's recruited so well that it's, I find it hard to believe that eventually at some point in time during this season, they're not going to be very, very good and cohesive at the same time. So moving on to the bye week. It's what you and I are going to call it, but I thought both Grinch and Riley were just kind of – they were put out by by the well, – how dare you call this a bye week? 
it's yeah, just we a, still got work to do. Yeah, it's just a <laughs> it's a game we don't play a game, and or it's a week we don't play a game. And Grinch going, the opponent this week is called Bye, and I'm going, man, I hope these head games work with kids because they don't work with me. Like I'm an adult. <laughs> it's like I get it. We got to work, and I and I love to work, and I will hustle. But don't treat me like an idiot. Like I don't I don't need to have the psychological warfare to try to get in the zone, dude. With you saying that the the opponent this week is called Bye and. You know, yeah. we're out to perform better. I'm like, no, just, just call it what it is. It's a bye week. It's fine. You can say that we have a lot to work on. Like, I think toward the end of his session, Riley actually kind of got got into the reel about it, just going, hey, look, there's fires to put out all the time. We're never done. Uh, I know that there's a lot to be excited about, but we also, I mean, he didn't say this. I'm, I'm, I am paraphrasing. When he said we got a lot of work to do, it almost felt like he was saying we suck in some areas. Like we 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 just haven't been exposed in these in these areas where we know that we're not good, and also just I I do get trying to get into a kid's head right because they do know what we say. Uh, I have kids that go through my mentions all the time and like and don't like tweets, and I got kids that mm-hmm. go into my DMs to say stuff uh, all the time. And, and you know what? Not all of them uh, play in the Big Twelve. Okay, like the, the kids, they're reading it and they're listening to it. And as a coach, I understand that that is that's another opponent for you to, to face in, in a meeting room. Right. Because you'll get torn up if you're, say, Kenneth Murray Jr. about being out of this gap. And he was a couple of times against UCLA that you just you yeah. just misread this. But then you'll go in and read Twitter or see an article or a video where we are lauding well, how you. How good you are. Right. Yeah. Where you're destroying somebody. And, you, you know, it's like, wait a second. So I, I get that. Uh, I also I'm, – I'm, Well, the I'm, kids I'm, know it's a bye week, bro. They're yeah. leaving on Thursday. Yeah. Come on. Like, yeah. They're off Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Have to be back Sunday to start working for Texas Tech again. And, and he said – It's a bye week. And more, what do you want to call them? Right. And and to that end, right, because he's saying we're going to do a little recruiting at the end of the week. I'm like, yeah, no S, Sherlock. You guys <laughs> – you have to. Like, this – you got to be at games on Thursday, Friday, it's Saturday. Like I get it. Like you yeah. don't have to sugarcoat it. So it's 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 interesting to see what what Riley and the staff want to harp on and what they don't, because they clearly have things that they want to get across, and there are clearly things they don't want to talk about. And all the yeah, stuff that right. we want to know is the stuff they don't want to talk about. Yeah, of course, because that's the inside. That's the good stuff, and they know that we know the good stuff behind the scenes. And they don't if they don't say something about it it makes it harder for us to write about it or talk about it and do the things that we need to do for our job. And that's fine. That's fair. But when I have Ronnie Perkins going, yeah, I'm leaving on Thursday afternoon. To go home, <laughs> I'm like, okay. on tape. Oh my God. Yeah. I was, I was, it, it's little stuff like that, that you and I and, I, and beat writers are going to just laugh at. And I think a lot of other people aren't necessarily going to, going to think something of. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I'm leaving Thursday afternoon to go home. I'm going to go watch my uh, alma mater play a high school football game, and then I'm going to watch my brother on Saturday. And then I'm coming home straight from the – I'm coming back to Norman straight from his game because I have to be here to to go to start doing uh, practice and treatment and tape and uh, all that other stuff on Texas Tech. Okay, well, it's called a bye week. You should be able to go home and do all that and – come right back and start working the second you get back into town. I mean, that's what, it, that's what this week is for. But the crazy part is, is how healthy Oklahoma is going into this bye week. I cannot remember a year in the past seven or eight where they've been this healthy through three, three games. I mean, this is, this is unbelievable. Well, and I thought, I always thought that that was, that was the thing that we, nobody wants to talk about because they believe in curses and jinxes is, you know, you got all your running backs, say TJ Pledger and you get him back. Right. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. lost nobody. Ken, Kenneth Mann, you get him line. back. Well, and offensive line. When's the last time we've been able to to look at the offensive line and be like, "Hey, there's an injury there." Think about uh, that. I, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, it's been a while. Huh? Right, and I I think that is the sauce. The sauce is you haven't lost the quarterback, you haven't lost the offensive line, and you haven't lost a wide out. Uh, really. Or a D lineman, or lost, anybody like that. But you're when, gaining a D line actually. A really good one, too. <laughs> and when you lost Hollywood Brown, it kind of showed up, but it kind of didn't. Because what Riley learned most about the Orange Bowl is that he should have started Rambo. It's just, yeah, you know, that that's and, about it. 
they're running the exact same plays with Rambo that they did with Hollywood, and you're seeing the exact same thing happen because he's a what I try to tell people. He isn't as shifty as Hollywood, but he's in the same speed category as him. They're both four three, low four three, like four three one guys. So I think didn't didn't uh, Rambo run like a four two nine or something, or was that Brown? I think it was Trey Brown. Ran a four two nine. But I, I I know Rambo was really low on the four three. I got them both at four threes because neither one of them could, could produce four two nine again. I'm, I'm no, a, I'm that was probably their best. No, I'm a stickler. Yeah, well. Like I I you got to do it twice. I mean, this ain't this. If it's track and field, cool. We got you on laser, but I mean, well, they have them. That they do the laser. That's where they do the forties are lasered. But I and I um, haven't seen it. Right? Like, did yeah. you see it? Well, I saw the number. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, okay. I'd say the. No. I mean, but that, but that being said, they're gonna take the best number right. and make that their their forty. Right. You know that. I know that. Okay. All right, so, so let's let's assume um, that they're both four two nine for the time being. Well, no, they're not, but they're not. Nat- okay, they're not going to consistently well, be it. Like they, like you they, said, if dude. they ran it again, well, they would can't. run a four three something. I'm not going to let you hedge on this one, B. They're either four three guys or they're four two nine guys. I did, I said they were four three. I said they're probably four three. I said one of them ran a four two nine one time. Well, That's what I said. Okay, we're 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 arguing about this now, and I and I think it's important to argue about it. That's why I'm keeping this going. Do you accept? The one four two nine, or do you accept no, the two four three? Okay, that's that's what I right. No, because it's like if you got to walk enough. out here and say four two nine to somebody, and you're going to get a quizzical look, you got to be rock solid. Well, I mean, I, they'd have to do it more than I mean. See? Like I said, they're going to take their best number that they ran and say that's what they that's their time. That's how fast they are. Yeah, when well, in reality, that's not what they're going to run every time. They're probably going to run the four threes every time. I'm a track and field guy, and that's why I was like, eh, do it twice. Okay. All right, cool. Do it twice. Well, but I mean, they take records. Is this guy going to break? A, is this guy going to run his record? You're again? hedging. Um, no, but I, I'm asking a serious question. Is track okay. and field like are they are they going to take when they do their the records? Do they go? Well, he only ran it once. He probably couldn't do that again. Or do they allow the record to stick? No, they let the record stick. And and uh-huh. by the way, it's track and field. We all saw you do it. That's true. That's that's really what I'm getting at. Is if there yeah. if there are yeah. eyes just, on you, there are multiple eyes on you, and there are lots of people walking around going four two nine. It's the truth. If you ran well, it in front I of didn't... Benny Wiley and and Caesar, fine, cool, good for you. I didn't see it. You know that's that's what we do. <laughs> I'm just acknowledging yeah. what we do. And you know what? Yeah, but we I know they're four three, so we can agree they're all there. We can agree that they're four three guys, right? We can agree yeah. on that because we've seen it. You know, we've seen yeah, that. Like, they fly. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that. Uh, speaking of seeing that, Trey's gotten bigger. Brown, he's gotten yeah, bigger. Yeah, he is. He's thick. Yeah, yeah he's he's thick he's, now. he's he's he, and he was kind of pissed talking about his missed tackles. He's like, I know I could tackle. Like we didn't even bring it up. We well, didn't bring it up. I yeah, swear to you, he's known as the most physical guy in the secondary. No, but why. still, still, like he was like, you know, what are your ex- expectations for you? He's like my, uh, the team or individually. So he goes team, and then I say individually, and he starts to rant about how he knows he can tackle. And I was like, in my head, I'm going, we all know you can tackle. I know you you missed a couple against UCLA, but he's just he was adamant, and I was I was trying to keep it together because yeah. he was getting he was getting antsy. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like, hey man, you're working your own self up. We didn't do this. Well, you he he goes back to what he said whenever I asked. I said, so what about the mentality? About the defense, what about how your you, the players are reacting to certain things? And he said, the funny thing is the coaches don't have to say anything to us now. Like, we know. We hold each other accountable. And that's that's the difference. He said last year the coaches would have to tell us, hey, you did this wrong. You need to fix this, fix that. He said, we're – he goes, Grinch and uh, Odom and Manning have already gotten our heads and told us we've got to do this. Like – before they say it, we're telling each other, you've got to fix this. He goes, that's the difference between last year and this year. And that kind of goes back to what he's talking about being mad about tackles because he knows he's going to get in trouble come film time talking about tackling. I got to make these tackles. This is my job. I screwed up, blah, 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 blah. You didn't see that type of stuff last year. You didn't see them openly come out and criticize themselves. That's the difference. It's also really hard to criticize each other when you all rank 129th in pass D and 118th in, <laughs> in third down defense. Like, you, it's going to be like Spider Man pointing at you know each other. They're eleventh. They're eleventh this year in third down defense. I'm, hey. I'm aware. I put that stat out there and somebody wrote about it. And now I need to keep my mouth shut because I was going to write about it. I, I probably still will. But like, hey, 
I'm taking wins where there are wins for this defense because they desperately need they have wins. to. Yeah. They have to. They have to take them. So as uh, writers, we have to take it with them because we've at the same time, if we're going to sit there and bash them and every little thing that they do wrong, we have to praise them and the good that they do as well. Uh, yes, I agree. I'm going to add to that and say we're the best critics because we actually watch every minute of this stuff. Like what yeah, I found myself doing, especially since I got this this radio show uh, and trying to just do a better job of basically talking college football is I find myself going back to watch so many games. Like I watched Cal Washington again after getting home late. Ugh. No, but, but you know, it's educational because like, seriously, I understand now Cal is Michigan state West. You know, they, they have this yeah. outstanding defense and they can't got this offense that just can't get out of its own way. It's almost like watching, the 2000 Ravens. You're That's like, so Sleep. weird from Cal. So weird. Well, but it's also, you know, Justin Wilcox essentially did a year ago or this year what Mark D'Antonio did this year, which was just rearrange the staff. He didn't fire anybody. He just gave them all different jobs. And it's just, there's, it's weird, but you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, no, it's way weird. <laughs> um, I'm pointing that out just to say, I feel much more comfortable. Like, being critical of Oklahoma because the people that are lauding them for the most part ain't watching a whole lot of OU football. And we're good at saying Jalen Hurts is good, right? But so is everybody else. I think part of the gig here is being able to understand why Jaden Davis is going to play a whole hell of a lot more football. Oh my goodness gracious. Right? I mean, when you have Trey Brown going, I feel sorry for the big 12 offenses for the next two to three years because he's going to be here and be a nightmare for them. That's what he said. Right. I mean, if your teammates are saying, you're freaking good, dude. Like, you're really good. We're going to admit to you, bro. You're a freshman. I'm a junior. I'm pretty good. Everybody has me all conference. This is Trey Brown talking. But damn, homie, you're good. Uh, like that. That's different. That's a different. That's different. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull your dude's card and say not everybody has him all conference because he didn't. He didn't make that team preseason. Well, uh, you understand, but yeah, the people do have him all conference. No, some people the, do. Some people. The best corner at Oklahoma is Parnell Motley. And I've been, I've been, who've been, you and I have been on Parnell Motley forever because he's been a boomer bus guy. We like his booms. I just, people did not like his bus. Hey, 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 it ain't us anymore. And that's what I mean by the whole aspect of lauding him. It's like, yeah, because I was like, yeah, the the dude just needed to get his head around. Like we saw that last year. I was like, man, if he ever ever gets coached how to get his head around, he's there to make a play every single time. He is. It's just now he's making them. You know, yep. and if you gotta wait till you're, what, redshirt junior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, yeah, yeah, redshirt senior. I mean, fine, whatever. You know, I would rather it happen now than not at all. One of the things yeah. I want to get to before we we close this thing out, recruiting, because we haven't had a whole hell of a lot to say, or I haven't had a whole hell of a lot to say. You've been uh, you've been on it with with Alfred and whatnot, but run it down, dog. Uh, Oklahoma has a pretty good shot of getting a commitment this week at some point. What is today? I would say by Thursday evening, you should know the news whether Oklahoma is going to get a commitment or not because Aaron Parts is four-star out of the Washington, D.C. area is announcing. Um, obviously, his buddy uh, Harrison has already announced that he's going to be there with Oklahoma. Big Anton. Big Anton Harrison's got it. And um, so uh, they're friends. They know each other, and they came and visited together. And I would be, I would say right now, Oklahoma is the odds on favorite uh, against North Carolina and Alabama. And that's a pretty good company uh, to, to win out on. And then you have to also look at where Oklahoma is with Jacquez Robinson. Jacquez Robinson verbatim told me straight up, like if Oklahoma proves that they're halfway decent throughout the whole year on, on defense, it's going to be hard for me to tell them no. Like, he's committed to Bama, but he loves Oklahoma and he loves Coach Manning. His family really, really liked the visit. Um, it, it was a, it was a, that, I will tell you, that South Dakota, there was, it was a small visit weekend, but it was a big weekend for Oklahoma as far as being able to gather commitments. Um, and then obviously 2021, um, you've got two five stars down. We've talked about this on uh, OU Insider. Uh, if you haven't read it, the story I'm just—it's really good as far as 
we talked about, I talked about the 2021 class as well. And my last in-depth update that I put up uh, on, what was it, Friday? And I can tell you, Oklahoma has a chance to have a special class in 2021 on both sides of the ball. And that's because, one, some of the stars that they're after are in state. They're in their backyard. I mean, that, that last time that happened was 2017. And 20, I guess 2018, they had a couple of D linemen that were, you know, obviously with Oklahoma in their own backyard. But, I mean, that 2017 class really propelled that. Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, OK Prep's 2017 class really propelled uh, Oklahoma's class. to, And they, they, they started the trend where Oklahoma's really doing a lot better on the recruiting trail, and it stuck. So this class, the 2021, is really deep in state. Uh, there's a chance that Oklahoma offers even a couple more guys. Um, but the ones that they have offered, they lead on. And um, you have the Ethan Downs. You have the Kendall Daniels of the world. You have the A.J. Greens of the world. Those type of guys are fourth, high three-star, top 100 guys, depending on who you're talking about. Uh, potential, all of them will probably be a four-star by the time their they're senior year is over. So Oklahoma is, really has a good nucleus in state. And then you add Vandergriff out there in the southeast area recruiting like crazy, and he's got two five-star wide receivers with Oklahoma leading right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. But they have a chance to land two five-star wide receivers in uh, Agaye Hines and Mario Williams out of the Tampa Bay area. So in one of them, Agaye, Agaye Hall, sorry, not Hines, Agaye Hall uh, goes went to – the same school as Eric Stryker at Sefner, Armwood. So that is a, a big deal. Everybody really, really likes Oklahoma in that area. And the fact that it's a top top flight wide receiver, Oklahoma already has the number one quarterback in that class, potentially the number one player in the class committed to him. Things are going to fall into place in this 2021 class, and it has a chance to be really, really special. And, and that's the thing. Like the OU 2020 class will likely be a top 10 class. But you want to know what? it doesn't have that quarterback that everybody has. So it's not going to be as flashy as the other classes that Oklahoma's had in the past, but it's still a good class. All right. I think that is going to do it for us. That's Brandon drum. I'm RJ young. If you like podcast rate review, subscribe, you know what it is. You can follow us on Twitter. My man, Brandon at Brandon drum two four seven. I'm at RJ underscore young. You can follow OU insider on Twitter at OU247. We write there every day. We're on this stuff all the time. And I understand that you want to see more podcasts. Well, subscribe to the show. Brandon, parting thought. Uh, it's a bye week. Time for us to go out and see some high school kids Thursday, Friday. And uh, you'll be down in Georgia. Enjoy that atmosphere down. Where they, what do they call that place down there? I always forget in Athens like the bushes or whatever between the hedges between the hedges yeah see i can't remember the hedges part but that's that's one of my uh uh tell uggy you said bucket, hi. bucket list oh i would want a pet ugg i want a bulldog i really do like that's the english bulldog is one of the bulldogs that i really want uh uh amy says no so we'll have to hold off on that uh but yeah man enjoy it i'll be out at the high school games colin will be out at high school games uh, so we'll have some recruiting information Saturday, Sunday, Monday-ish on OU Insider. Um, so uh, stay tuned. All right. Deuces. See you.